Dating Ourselves, the podcast that talks everything 80s, 90s, and early 2000s. I'm your host, Adam, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-hosts, Brian and Paul. Hello. Hey, guys. Welcome to episode 37. So this past Monday was actually April Fool's Day, so it's an important little PSA here. Just remember this week to believe nothing and trust no one. Except for us, of course. (laughs) So it's like any other day? Yeah, basically, you could say that. (laughs) In the internet age? (laughs) <laughs> but we are the trusted holders of the truth that's true that's true <laughs> well in case you missed it you should really check out our last episode when the gang and i talked about y2k you can find that in all of our past episodes at www.datingourselvespodcast.com on itunes google music and wherever you find your podcast i found mine last week while i was cleaning behind my ears Really? What else did you yeah. find back there? Uh, you know, baseball, uh, a couple of old Legos. Because I lent you, know, you I lent you a nickel that you made disappear a while back, and I've not seen <laughs> where that's gone. <laughs> that still hasn't come out, unfortunately. The key to a 1954 Studebaker. Ooh, <laughs> delightful. <laughs> Just the key. The car is nowhere to be found. <laughs> We really appreciate our listeners' support, and we'd like to share some kind words left by one of those listeners on iTunes about our show. If you'd like to leave us a five-star written review on iTunes, we would definitely love to read it on air as a way to say thanks. So, here is this week's five-star review. It's from, well... Nobody, unfortunately. We got through all of our five-star reviews again, dudes. If you're listening to us right now in podcast land and just realized you haven't left us a five-star review, and at the same time you remembered that you never unplugged your curling iron, please do us a favor, unplug that first, but then leave us a friendly sentiment on iTunes accompanied with five stars. It doesn't have to be friendly. I, I would read just about anything as long as it's got the five stars. <laughs> That's true. That's true. If you want us to revise your research paper or something <laughs> like that, go ahead and post it in there. Just make sure it's a five star review. Yeah, so what's I would just a worse burn? The curling iron or a pizza oven? Ooh. Ooh. That's a good one. I don't know, to tell you the truth. I know the curling iron tends to be a little bit more risky to be left uh, unattended. True, but, but you don't true. stick your arms in a curling iron. You kind of just got to brush up against it. That's true. I, yeah, yeah. To be fair, I have I do know somebody that actually got pretty severe burns from a curling iron one time. So it's they're not to be messed with, that's for sure. Fair. <laughs> that's true. On um, that somber be- note. <laughs> yeah, say, before we move on too far, uh, we will be moving on from the subject of curling irons, however. Um, but I wanted to make sure that I, you know... Give us one more pitch to have everyone that's listening subscribe to Dating Ourselves podcast through your favorite podcast listening service so you don't miss any of the throwback action. And also, don't forget to share our show with all the other nostalgiacs in your life. Who knows? That little trip down memory lane might be exactly what they're looking for. Well, let's get this party started. This week, I'm going to be leading a discussion on the 1957 classic, I Was a Teenage Werewolf. Um, (laughs) 
Try again. I, I don't think that's exactly in our uh, in our wheelhouse. <laughs> uh, sorry, I meant 1981's Full Moon High, about a football player who encounters bad luck on a school trip to Romania. <laughs> okay, Paul, you're getting closer, but we're talking about the Basketball Wolf movie. Jeez, how many werewolf movies are there where the wolf is in high school? <laughs> Too many. So I guess that means we are left with the 1985 Michael J. Fox classic Teen Wolf. There we go. Yeah, that that sounds like the right one. I got to say, though, that Full Moon High sounds like a a stoner that lost his pants. Like, I don't know. It'd be a very short movie, but it'd be quite entertaining for that whole minute. (laughs) I think that's how the script was written. (laughs) Pantsless and stoned. I don't know why, Brian, but that just reminded me of that Stephen Lynch song, What If That Guy From Smashing Pumpkins Lost His Car Keys? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> right here in my hand. Yeah, I remember that one. <laughs> <laughs> if you haven't heard that song before, check it out. It's pretty funny. It's like <laughs> all of like 30 seconds long, but it's pretty good. <laughs> so does anything ever happen or anything good ever happen on a school trip to Romania? I can think of a couple different movies that that's like a plot point and it never goes well. No. Well, you know, the vampire werewolf thing is usually not a great sign. Yeah, although they have a great gymnastics team from what I'm told. True. That's true. I don't know why they do, but they apparently do. <laughs> well, you have to know gymnastics, I guess, to get away from all the vampires yeah. and werewolves that live in Romania. Maybe that's to evade the orcs in the forest. Sure, why not? <laughs> <laughs> Quick, get on those parallel bars. The werewolf is coming after you. Pummel that bars horse. Are Come on. <laughs> oh, man. Well, guys, remember, we're going to pick next episode's topic at the end of the show. It's going to be Nostalgic Combat. Nostalgia combat. That was that was terrific, guys. Thank you. <laughs> anyway, it's going to be me with Mighty Max, the animated series, versus Adam and Dick Tracy, the full-length feature film. Yeah. We will also be visiting our old friend, the Hopper of Imagination, to get another topic for Paul. So, Paul, let's talk about Team Wolf. I will do my best, but I might need a moment because us yelling Nostalgia Combat actually blew the speaker in my headphone. Oh no! <laughs> I will that wasn't do my, my fault best. This time. <laughs> I will do my best, but there is a slight echo. Oh no. Oh, no. <laughs> so, as I mentioned earlier, this is the 1985 Michael J. Fox classic. I totally forgot to look up if this came out before Back to the Future or not. I know they were released like within months of each other, but I do not recall which one was first. I believe Teen Wolf was second. I thought Teen yes, Wolf was Yes, sorry. I did write it down. Uh, Back to the Future came out eight weeks before Teen Wolf. Oh, really? That's unfortunate for Teen Wolf because I don't know. Um, we can certainly get into our, our critical opinions of this movie as we go on. Um, I thought that the overall story was entertaining. There were some good one-liners. Um, but overall, a much harder movie to watch than Back to the Future. This did not age well. No. No, it did not. We'll certainly get into that more in a little bit. But um, from production and from different 
references and things like that it was not nearly as timeless as uh as back to the future was so right but that's just my opinion maybe you guys have favorable opinions i don't want to i don't want to it also didn't have like major money behind it i don't think like back to the future did (laughs) that's probably true (laughs) no that is um that was actually going to be my first point uh, so what brought the movie to fruition was two things. Uh, Michael J. Fox was a rising star, and even though Family Ties had been running for a number of years at this point, it moved time slots, and uh, it was put on a. It was originally like in the Friday Night Death slot for years, but it still maintained you know enough ratings to keep going. And then they moved it to a weeknight, following into I want to say Cheers, but I didn't mm. write that down but basically it got moved to a you know a, an earlier weeknight time slot and it became much more popular in the ratings and that sort of propelled Michael J Fox into stardom and this mm-hmm. is um previous to back to the future being released so this was kind of on his rise up before it exploded with back to the future well sure. when i was uh doing some research for this they actually talked about that a little bit and one of the things they were talking about was the amount of security that they needed on the set skyrocketed just during the production of the film. Like at the beginning, they hardly needed anything, but by the end of it, they had to have all this security because of how popular he became within the, you know, two to three months or whatever it took for them to film this movie. Yeah. And a lot of the, uh, a lot of like the overacted, like screaming teenage girls sports scenes, like when they come out of the gym and all these people just like scream and go nuts. And it's like, okay, that's cool, but way too intense for an actual high school environment. A lot of that. 14 people in the (laughs) stands. (laughs) A lot of that was actually real reaction because those people were just in awe of Michael J. Fox. Wow. And that was without like the they wolf actually makeup, found, too. That's incredible. And that was without the wolf makeup. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but the production company, Atlantic Entertainment, uh, wanted to make a high school movie of their own after the success of Valley Girl, which is the Nicolas Cage movie yep. that uh, came out the year prior. And as Valley Girl was made on an incredibly low budget and then went on to kill it at the box office competitively. So based upon that, uh, they set out to write a script and they wanted to do a very low budget high school movie and they pitched the script to Michael J. Fox and he accepted within 15 minutes. Wow. Jeez. Um, they, they had to rush it into production because family ties, uh, the Family Ties producers had to approve it, and they only had three weeks to write the script in order to fit his uh, filming schedule for oh. Family Ties. That actually makes the movie make a little bit more sense. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there, there's a lot of one. One of the things I wanted to talk about was the uh, lack of explanation on quite a few things in this movie. <laughs> yes, like how someone becomes a werewolf, or. Yeah. Yeah, or where's the mom? They never explain. They talk about the mom constantly, but she's never anywhere to be found. I sort of yeah. assumed that she had passed away based on some of the discussion. Well, what's his face? What was his name? Nick, the like the bully kind of guy. Mm-hmm. I, I thought he said something about him shooting his mom, and I don't know if that was just him being an asshole like oh you're a like you're a dog and your mom's a dog and i shot her for messing around with our chickens or something or if that like that, literally happened yeah yeah i don't know i kind of took that as as like 
joking, you know, like being sadistic or whatever. But maybe that is the case. But yeah, if, I I felt that was kind of weird. Like there there seemed to be a lack of explanation on a few things like that. Well, let, let's kind of go through some of the plot points, and we can kind of talk about. Yeah what our opinions yeah. were, whether or not those points were brought up with context or not, because um, there's certainly a lot of them. But I want to make sure that we uh, cover the basis for those folks who have never seen this movie or folks like me who up until two days ago hadn't seen the movie. And I think I said 24 years accidentally. Yeah, yeah. I yeah was... the, the most oddly specific <laughs> guesstimate of all time. Yeah, four and five <laughs> are very close together on the iPhone. And uh, there was a little goober on my screen apparently and uh yeah 24 is much more specific than i meant <laughs> but anyway go, go ahead paul i'm sorry so the movie opens with the worst basketball team in history yes and it is a high school basketball team with very brightly colored unfortunate yellow jerseys and it is the most unathletic rag team group of guys you have ever seen that are way too old to be in high school <laughs> just to <laughs> That's actually a fair point, too, but uh, before we get to that, just to give you an idea of, like, the color of those jerseys, think, like, the old-school, like, San Diego Padres yellow, or, like, mm. the old-school Green Bay Packers, like, that kind of muddy, like, almost mustardy yellow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Mustardy level, that is perfect. Yeah, yeah. But uh, going back to what you were talking about there uh, with the high schoolers ages, I think the youngest one there was Michael J. Fox playing a high schooler at what I think it was like 23 or 24 at the time that this movie filmed. All the other ones were like 26, 27, 28. That's crazy. And Michael J. Fox is the only one that like potentially looked like he could have been in high school i mean oh, he's, he's five four so i mean <laughs> yeah you know well and you know he was like at that point he had a definite baby face going on yeah and yeah. he uh he goes on to they start this ongoing thing where he can't make a free throw to save his life he even uh, has like nightmares about it yep like that's and his that's, biggest nightmare that's kind of like an ongoing thing throughout the movie because, as we'll talk about later, he finds his inspiration. But um, this opening scene introduces us to my favorite character of the movie, Coach Bobby Finstock. Yes! <laughs> I love yes. that he's your favorite. <laughs> no, he I, is absolutely my favorite character of the he's movie. He's like a real-life Coach McGurk. <laughs> yes. I was, I was going to list him as my second favorite character in the movie. Or who's who's the coach from uh, from Freaks and Geeks? He kind of reminds me of him too, just in terms of oh, attitude and like. I forget what his name was, but yeah, I know who you're talking about. But yeah, the the coach is like the least inspirational coach of all time. He's very monotone when he's coaching, and he yells out commands that don't make sense. And when they do bad things or horrible things, he's like, "Good job, not good try." He's like, "Nicely done," and you know, <laughs> give it some gusto when that is in no way appropriate. <laughs> well, and there's a scene like not far after this where Michael J. Fox's character goes in to talk to the coach to tell him about his uh his desire to to quit the team he uh he 
I'm sure we'll talk about this in a little bit, but he works in his dad's uh, hardware store. Yeah, hardware store. Hardware store. Yeah. And then on top of that, he wants to get a role in the school play for reasons that we'll talk about in a little bit. He goes in to talk to the coach, and he's like, "Yeah, you said uh, that. You know, if we ever had any issues, we could talk to you or whatever." And he kind of starts thinking, oh, maybe he's going through puberty. So he's kind of hitting on that. And then uh, he says something about like, what, you know, he is having some issues and stuff like that. And the coach immediately shuts down. He's like, oh, yeah, I'm kind of busy right now. I can't really talk to you. <laughs> like, Maybe another time would be better to talk about your issues. <laughs> so Michael J. Fox's character, uh, Scott Howard, is completely infatuated with the cheerleader uh, and school play actor named Rhonda. Rhonda. Was and it Rhonda? I thought, is, I thought it was Pamela. Is it Pamela? I thought it was Rhonda. I'm going to look I this forget. up. I'm going to look this up. Hold on. Hold on. You know, Rhonda Pamela. Is it Rhonda Pamela, really? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Uh, no, it's Pamela Wells. It's Pamela Wells. It's oh, Pamela Pamela Wells? Play, played by Lori Griffin. Then who the hell is... Maybe she just looked like a Rhonda... Oh, I know why. <laughs> they, they mentioned a Rhonda later in the... Yes. But that's like an extra. That's not even like a casted character. So uh, Pamela is played by uh, Linda Weismeyer, who was Playboy's Playmate of the Month in July 1982. Oh. And she was Rhonda in Real Genius in 1985. Oh, okay. So that is why I am... Uh, Wait, switching what? back and forth. What? I'm confused. Because Laurie Griffin plays Pamela Wells. Maybe I am confused. <laughs> oh boy. We're we're 15 minutes in and we're already off the rails. <laughs> <laughs> Do I have my actresses confused completely? Anyway, moving on quickly. <laughs> uh, but Scott Howard is completely infatuated with Pamela and um, is debating on quitting the basketball team to join the school play so that he could try and get into her good graces. Meanwhile, he's completely oblivious or maybe just like chooses to ignore the fact that his best friend, whose name is Boof, that's not her actual name, it's her nickname, but her name is Boof, and she's completely in love with Scott, but he chooses to ignore that or is completely oblivious to it. It's yeah. your typical teen comedy movie where the slightly nerdier girl who you know the main character is going to end up with in the end is uh, constantly shunned and uh, tossed aside, but will always come back and stand by his side. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, I wanted to go back real quick to the uh, to the scene with the coach, though, um, yeah. because we had talked about, you know, oh, well, maybe like he's going through puberty or something like that. The way I interpreted that was he was starting to get strange non puberty related hair, um, like werewolf type hair on his body. That's kind of how I interpret it. Like he had like this really crazy long strand of chest hair that he like right in the center of his chest. And that was yep. right right before he went to go talk to the coach. The other thing I wanted to point out from that discussion too, which was incredibly uncomfortable, was he was talking about how some other kid on the team, like in years past, wanted to quit because his family was like completely poor and someone was sick i mean just like this absolutely terrible picture 
And he's like, okay, so whatever happened to that guy? Well, who cares? He was a third stringer. He quit the team. Like, it doesn't, it doesn't matter. <laughs> it's like, wow, inspirational. Well, well, that was that was that coach, like, to a T, which made me laugh every time he was on, is he would have these stories that were supposedly inspirational or to teach a lesson, but instead they either had nothing to do with what they were talking about or it was completely disproving the point that he was trying to make. Right, Yes. right. Just completely, like, not even tangent-related, just, like, way <laughs> off in left field. But I love that Michael J. Fox points out that he's like, I'm a third stringer. <laughs> what do you gotta... How bad do you have to be to be a third stringer on that team? Well, that, yeah, was, no that was the other thing, is it sounded like he was a starter later. Like, I felt like his dad said that he was a starter, but he was saying that he was third string to his coach. So, what, another one of those things I don't think was really explained terribly well well to be fair based off of what paul said about how fast they had to write the script and uh, a scene later in the movie i don't think the writers knew basketball going into this movie i don't think they understood the game that could be that, that could <laughs> i'll be. talk about that a little later that has to do with one of the final scenes in the game or in the movie gotcha so what's funny is I go to Wikipedia and I found Linda listed there, but then I go to um, IMDb and it is Laurie Griffin. So that's where I made the mistake. Interesting. You trusted Wikipedia. I trusted shame. Wikipedia. You should know that that is not an acceptable site. And it is Laurie Griffin that I'm thinking of from Cheerleader Camp. Oh, but, okay. Yeah. So does something else that I noticed around this time, because after he leaves the locker room, after the inspiring speech from the coach, he goes to the hardware store to uh, work with his dad. And does anyone else find it funny that their last name is Howard and they work in a hardware store? It The reason that where I'm making the connection there is I think of Ron Howard and Happy Days, where um, Mr. Oh, Cunningham owned a hardware oh, store. Yeah, yeah. I, I didn't give that any Which was, thought. That's interesting. Which would have been a popular show around the time. Like, it would have been, you know, nearing the end, but it still would have been, like, you know, in syndication. Yeah, yeah absolutely. And just the fact they wrote the scripts so fast, that was one of those things that made me kind of go, hey, um, maybe, the, you know, they were just picking names out of the TV guide type thing. You know what I mean? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Well, Howard's a really common name to make that correlation, but when I think of Ron Howard, I don't know why, but the Cunningham Hardware Store is one of the first things before I think of like the Andy Griffith Show or things like that. That's right, fair. Right. That's fair. Well, one of the other things I thought that was kind of interesting about the scene in the hardware shop. So he goes in and he tells his dad that he's thinking about quitting the basketball team, and of course the dad's trying to persuade him out of that and stuff like that. But as the scene's going on, you start to realize, hey, something's kind of weird because this kid's blowing a whistle in the hardware store. And it's, it's extremely c- loud. And yeah. it's a dog whistle. You find out uh, a few minutes later it's a dog whistle. But it like produces this piercing noise that's causing uh, Michael J. Fox like this unimaginable amount of pain. But like nobody else apparently hears it or is affected anything by it. Which is weird, considering what you find out about the dad a little later. Yes. Yeah, so that is So why didn't that affect him at all? Right. Well, and that's not how dog whistles work either. I mean, the dog whistle is meant to call a dog, and it's a frequency that, that other animals like us aren't supposed to be able to hear. It's not supposed to put the dog in, like, 
writhing pain and anguish yeah. from eardrum piercing sound. Like it's just supposed to be like, hey, hey, Spot, come here. <laughs> the walk's <laughs> over. Like, <laughs> and I love when Michael J. Fox takes the uh, whistle away from the kid, and the kid looks at him, and goes, "The whistle's broken." Yeah. And I feel like every little kid has made that statement at one point or another. The first time they encounter a dog whistle, mm-hmm. yeah, probably. Probably. Well, and I love how he gets it, too, because he doesn't just grab it out of the kid's head. He smacks him in the back of the head and catches it as it pops out yep. of his head. <laughs> yeah, that's totally normal to just smack a kid, uh, like a customer, that's eight years old in the back of the head. Uh, these good the... old-fashioned 80s child abuse. I was saying, it was the days before Yelp reviews, man. You could get away with that shit. <laughs> and it's a small hardware store in Nebraska. I don't know that they ever actually say the name of the city. They just say Nebraska. I they don't think did. I realized that. They did say the name of the city early on. I can't remember what it was. Um, when he and Boof are walking back from school, like that very, like it's one of the first scenes in the movie. It's actually a small town in Oregon, apparently. Oh, huh. Interesting. Yeah. I'm looking at Wikipedia, which once again, maybe we can't trust Wikipedia, but (laughs) Oregon (laughs) and Nebraska are right next to each other. So, you know, (laughs) I I moved away from Wikipedia and I moved over to, um, complex and they say nebraska (laughs) (laughs) nobody can get anything right about this movie it's just all up in the air let's just make stuff up for the rest of the episode guys it apparently doesn't matter (laughs) so moving on from the hardware store we were then introduced to uh scott howard's best friend styles who is absolutely my favorite... Uh, no, he is my second favorite character <laughs> in the movie behind Coach Finstock. And what a weird uh, name Styles is, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He wears the best vintage t-shirts that supposedly they allude that he prints and sells his own t-shirts. Yeah, because that uh, comes up later once uh, Michael J. Fox becomes the sensation of the school or whatever. He's printing his own t-shirts and selling them at games and stuff. And so he meets up with Styles. They get invited to an older kid's party and they are assigned the task of showing up with a keg of beer. Right. And this is before they actually go on the hunt with the keg of beer. They're out driving around and Styles says that he wants to catch some waves. And this is the second movie to introduce me to the concept of moto surfing. <laughs> what was the other one? Surf ninjas. Yeah. Well, this one, this would have been before Surf Ninjas, right? True, but so I saw one. the other one first. Oh, that's fair. That's fair. We'll call this movie number one for, for Motor Yes, surfing. this might be the origin. According to what I read that I no longer can know if I trust, they refer to it as urban surfing, and it is based on something that Styles actually did in college. Really? Played by Jerry Levine. <laughs> that's interesting. And so... He climbs out the van window and gets on the roof of the van and proceeds to surf it as they're driving through town. While listening to Surfing USA by the Beach Boys. That was one of like the weirdest things in the movie in terms of low production that was just jarring. Is that it's like, hey, I'm going to go climb up on this roof. And it's like, okay. And you kind of hear him like scrambling out the window up and up to the roof of the, the van while it's driving. And then all of a sudden, banana, 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 
everybody. Like, like it just goes into the song, like full bore, super loud, and it's like, like way well, louder than anything else in the entire movie. But then they're all singing along and like air guitaring along with it, and it's like, is this song on the radio? Is it just part of the soundtrack? Is it playing down the street and everybody in this freaking town in Nebraska, Oregon, is listening to it? Like, who knows? Well, and what's weird too is it. At first, because of like the kind of intro and stuff like that, you can't even really tell that he's actually playing along like air guitar to that song. So it seems like it's just these two separate things that you have him up on this car playing air guitar and surfing, and then you have a soundtrack that goes with it. Right, and exactly. It yeah. wasn't until like at least 20 seconds in, 30 seconds in, that I realized. Oh, he's singing that song. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. (laughs) That's that's unique. So according to Wikipedia, the actor Jerry Levine was actually on top of the van, secured by a wire, and they actually drove it. Huh. Wow. Interesting. That's gutsy. That is pretty gutsy. Because they were going at a pretty good clip for a bit. Yeah, they were. And, And that's not exactly a small van like that was one of those old like big conversion vans yeah well and later in the movie he ends up getting a huge it's almost like a ups truck um and we'll talk about that in a bit but like like adam mentioned earlier once this big you're a wolf thing kind of hits the school waves he starts printing t-shirts they start doing like all these different events with him as the wolf and of course they have to get a giant truck with like wolf insignias and crap like that on wolf it. Wolfmobile. Yeah, the Wolfmobile. Wolf yep. <laughs> so in that scene though, in the first scene when he's moto surfing and Michael J. Fox starts to have another uh, episode where something, you know, his, starts alluding him to the fact that something might be wrong with him. It was him. his ears. That's when his ears started you, to that's get like right. pointy. He notices his pointy ears in the rear view, and then he, like, hits a pothole or he swerves, and Styles falls, um, but he only falls backwards back onto the van and doesn't tumble off. So it's a fall that should have been certain death for him, and he just sort of falls back, and he's like, hey, man, watch your driving. (laughs) And I don't know if you noticed this, but as they turn the corner... There was a power line that he clearly should have hit, and through the magic of editing, he just goes right through it. (laughs) I didn't notice that. (laughs) And I noticed it right away. (laughs) That's amazing. That's awesome. (laughs) So Styles is a weird guy. I don't know if I would be friends with him. Like, he seems really... I don't know. I don't know how you'd be friends with him. The the scene where you, we kind of get introduced to him, like he shows up a little bit at the basketball game at the beginning of the movie, and there's something with him in the locker room trying to get change off of some guy from like the the opposing team. But the then real he makes, ta- he makes like a comment to Booth like in passing, like when uh, you mentioned earlier that they're walking, uh, got and Booth are walking home like after the first school scene. He, like, drives by and makes some random comment to her. Scott tells Booth, uh, like, tell him to keep driving or something like that. And he just drives off, like, as he's literally standing up in in his car. Yep, yep. (laughs) (laughs) But there's a scene there where he, he comes to the house. So Scott and his dad are having dinner and they're talking about the stress of 
school, wanting to quit the basketball team, all of this stuff. And then all of a sudden, Styles just shows up, right? And the dad doesn't even see him. He's just like, oh, you got a great shirt on or something like that because he knows all of his shirts are always crazy. He doesn't even have to look at him to know that it's going to be a crazy shirt. And then they're like, all right, we're going to go to this party. See you later, dad. And they're like walking out the front door, like in the front hallway. And I don't remember how it gets brought up, but like, yeah, you know, something, something's bothering me. And it's like, well, you heard what happened to the old shop teacher, right? And apparently he got caught with a (laughs) vacuum cleaner in some type of suggestive manner. But the way they bring it up in the movie, it's just like, wow, wow, that like was not necessary (laughs) at all. Like (laughs) just randomly interjected. It's like a family, it's like a family comedy. And then all of a sudden, (laughs) and and it never comes up again. So it's not like an important plot point or anything. No, it's not. It's just like, yeah, we just wanted to say, you know, it's, the, something, it's a something wang phallic. joke for this. Yeah. yeah, exactly. It's a it's a phallic joke for the sake of making a phallic joke. Yeah, and We're there's a lot of edgy. that in this movie. Yeah, and that's oh, what was so sure. weird is like it was just like yeah, just having a discussion with dad. We're gonna go to this party. Like there's gonna be some shenanigans. It sounds like, and then all of a sudden it's like, wow. That that really came out of left field. <laughs> it's almost like they were trying to be fast times. I, th- I yeah. think that's what it was. Probably. It really felt like that to me. Yeah. But after they leave the house to go to the party, the next stop is an attempt to go buy beer. Mm-hmm. And Styles attempts first, and he walks in and talks with, like, a Brooklyn accent at this, like, corner liquor store that, when they zoom out, appears to be in the middle of nowhere, but it looks like it should be on a, like, a attached to another building on a street corner, but it's just kind of like this almost little stand-looking building. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, he walks in uh, wearing a sunglasses, baseball cap, has a cigarette in his mouth, and uh, he goes, "Hey, my, uh, you know, so and so is retiring from the plant. My boss sent me down here to pick up a uh, keg of beer. He said he called. Did he call call you?" And the the old uh, grumpy guy behind the <laughs> liquor counter goes, "Yeah, he called." And he goes, "All right, well, I'll take that uh, keg of beer then." And he says, "You got any ID?" And then uh, he's like, "What?" what do you mean? He's like, no ID, no beer. And then he walks out defeated. (laughs) (laughs) Which then is when Michael J. Fox comes into the scene and they kind of plan this whole, you know, you're going to go in and and pretend to rob this guy with a water pistol and he's going to give you the keg. And he's like, no, I'm not going to do that. He throws the gun aside. He's like, this is stupid. Well, hold on. Before that, you missed an important part of the plan. He was going to go in and... Uh, with the water pistol in his jacket and hold the place up. But then he was told by uh, Styles that he was going to put money on the counter. So technically he would not be stealing it because he paid for it. Paid for it. So right. he couldn't be arrested is what he told him. Yeah. yeah. Which sounds like perfect high school logic. Yes. Actually. Yeah. You can that, tell Styles ended up going to law school after this. Um, <laughs> that sounds yes. like the kind of logic that Saul Goodman from Breaking Bad would have used at one point in his career. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So uh, there's this whole 
rob these people, but throw some money on the counter. So that way you're not really robbing them. And he's like, that's stupid. I'm just going to ask the guy for beer. That, that's that's what I'm going to do. And he goes, well, in, you're missing. You're missing one of the funny nuances that he goes, OK, I'll do it. Give me the gun. And he hands him the gun and he just takes it and throws it away. Yep. <laughs> yep. And he's like, he's like, I'm going to do it my way. And he's like, what are you going to do? I was like, I'm just going to go in and buy it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, because that worked well the last time. Yep. And his results are similar to Styles at first. You know, hey, can can I get some beer? Like, do you got ID? Like, I don't know what's wrong with you kids. You keep coming in here asking for beer with no ID. And then all of a sudden his eyes, um, Scott's eyes just turn bright red, like 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 a dog with rabies. He's like, give me the beer. You know, and he's like really like super intense. And the guy's like, Jesus, all right, here's the beer. Um, and... <laughs> He gets out to the truck, and lo and behold, you know everyone's super impressed. You know, like my God, how did how did you get this? He's like, I literally just asked him for a keg. So, <laughs> so then from there they go to the party. Styles is carrying this keg by himself, and he asks somebody inside the party, "Hey, where do you want the keg?" And he goes, "Oh, inside there." And he goes in there. And there is literally a pile of kegs. Oh yeah, at least a and dozen. They, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and, and the guy and the guy goes, if we don't drink it tonight, you got to take it home. <laughs> <laughs> I do love that he's like he's carrying the keg and he's trying his best to act like it's heavy, but it's clearly just empty. <laughs> and it might not even. I mean, even an empty keg has a little bit of weight to it, and he's like carrying it like you would a like a like a like a case like a 30 pack you know oh, like yeah. he's he's acting like it's heavy but he's still just like you know two-handing it and <laughs> carrying it chest level and yeah yeah <laughs> not bracing for it or anything just like yeah whatever <laughs> so this party is quite the party and it's very strange to me once again not a lot of explanation here that they are they seem to be underclassmen at a at an upperclassman party right yet for some reason styles is the master of ceremonies at this party yes like there's a whole bunch of like whipped cream wrestling and like seven minutes in heaven type games and stuff like that i want to talk about the whipped cream wrestling because when we're introduced to styles as the party master it starts with a zoomed in shot of two people that appear to be in the buff Hand, handcuffed behind their back, covered in whipped cream, and Styles is pouring more whipped cream on them. Yeah, I, and I think they I were don't wearing, actually know. I think they, that? I think they were wearing undergarments. Like I'm pretty sure he was wearing underwear, and she was too. But they were, for I, all intents and purposes, like scantily you know, clad. <laughs> scantily clad. Yeah, this was a very adult moment in a PG movie. Yes. Yeah, seems <laughs> to be a lot of those in this movie. <laughs> yes. So, I still don't what I what I was gonna say about the whipped cream wrestling or whatever they're doing. I don't understand the point of the game. It looked like almost like they were tied up or hogtied, and they were trying to untie each other on the floor. Yeah, that's what it seemed like to me. But the, again, that was one of those things that was without explanation because you you get introduced to this game in the last mid like, game. Yeah, well, even. Even later than mid-game, I'd say, because, like, almost immediately, they're starting the countdown as, you know, like, they only have so many more seconds to finish up before they're eliminated or whatever. So it's, like, literally at the tail end of the game that they're introducing this. (laughs) Yeah. 
And I, I, once again, I don't understand how he kind of became the guy when he showed up yeah. not five minutes earlier and being like, oh, here's another freshman with beer <laughs> or whatever, dude. And all of a sudden he's like <laughs> the king of the party. <laughs> well, you know, it's just his personality, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> but this leads to, so as you said, they were counting down and then the game's over. And my favorite part of that whole thing is so the game is over and they just leave them tied up on the floor. <laughs> and they do a few more shots back to them, but no one attempts to untie them or clean them up or move them to, you know, out of stepping range. <laughs> They're just left on the floor for the rest of the party. And they seem to be ecstatically happy about it. <laughs> Again, it's that bad writing. <laughs> So Michael J. Fox at this point starts to feel a little ill and he starts to notice hair again and he immediately assumes that he's drunk or he's having a bad reaction to the beer. So he pours his beer into another guy's cup who just drinks it. (laughs) (laughs) Which that is something I could totally see myself doing in high school because (laughs) beer was hard enough to acquire that it wasn't going to waste. That's right. That's right. (laughs) Uh, but Styles continues to the next game, and a hat is passed to him, and he pulls a name out of the hat in what appears to be a truth or dare style game. So first he selects that the game is going to be two minutes in heaven as opposed to seven minutes in heaven, where I say, what's the point? Right. <laughs> and then he selects the name, who is Scott Howard, and then he selects Boof. Yep. And they are both walked and directed to the closet where he instructs them to have fun and everybody sits outside the closet patiently while they enter the closet and the door is closed tight behind them. Yep. So and then it gets awkward. Yeah, so then there's like a, a discussion going on where it's basically Scott being like, I don't know why we're in here. I don't really feel well. I don't really have feelings for you. And she's just throwing herself at him and so finally they're like all right i guess i'll kiss you or whatever and then somehow out of nowhere she's like ow your fingernails are really hurting me and he's got like crazy long fingernails werewolf Um, claws yep werewolf claws. unexplained crazy long fingernails and then after (laughs) that they open the closet door and the two of them just kind of walk out a little weird a little disappointed a little embarrassed and then i think he just goes home after that yeah, he freaks out at his werewolf claws and runs out the door. Yep. And then Boof walks away, and as she walks away, they do a shot of her back, and she has, like, way too clean of cuts in the back of her dress. Mm-hmm. Yep. Like, they almost look like it's a fashion statement as opposed to, you know, like, claw marks. <laughs> right. But they make a point to, like, shine the camera right at it, and I thought it was hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> so then... So, at- that point scott goes home right yeah Mm -hmm. okay he goes running home yep and then uh his dad greets him uh at the house yep and says i need to talk to you and he goes not right now and he runs upstairs and locks himself in the bathroom where he does his first full transformation into the wolf yep And he is blubbering and freaking out and screaming. And his dad is knocking on the door and saying, son, I really need to talk to you. And he's like, I'm your father. You can tell me whatever it is. And he's like, you wouldn't understand. He goes, I'm your father. I'll always understand. And Scott says, not this one. And then finally, um, 
Harold goes, "Open! I am your father. Open this door right now!" And he opens the door, and his dad is standing there in full werewolf makeup, but he's like gray and aged, and he almost looks like the Mog from Spaceballs, like John yes. Candy's character. Yes. yes. <laughs> Actually, it was funny when I was doing my research for uh, this episode. They were saying that when they showed this to test audiences, they said that got such a big laugh that the next like two minutes of the movie were lost to the audience because they were laughing so hysterically, (laughs) which is funny because it's really not that funny of a scene. But I guess it's just the the shock of seeing the dad as a werewolf. And then, as you mentioned, he kind of looks like the mog. (laughs) Yeah, it was definitely unexpected because I figured like he's like, oh, my God, like, what the hell is wrong with you? Or I figured like at that exact moment, the stress was going to change scott back to like his regular teenage self and no one would know it was Mm -hmm. very unexpected like oh yeah hey i'm a werewolf too probably should have told you this a while ago (laughs) (laughs) well you think that they're gonna get some sort of explanation out of this but the next scene is them sitting at the breakfast table and they're talking and basically the the conversation was yeah sometimes it skips a generation I was hoping that it would skip you. That's why I never told you before. Yeah. No other explanation of why this family is werewolves ever happens in this movie. Right. He's like, I, I would have told you last night, but you didn't really seem like you wanted to talk. And it's like, that that's that's the end of the explanation. It's like, you, you don't get to find out ever now. You're just going to be a wolf from time to time. There's going to be no other story behind this, but yep. that's what you yep. get to know. Yeah, and he so, makes a comment that he's like, he's like, he's like, I'm a wolf. This happened. This happened. And on top of all of it, it was a full moon last night. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just so bizarre that that goes back to the horrible writing of this movie. Like, this is literally a central point to the movie is that this kid turns into a werewolf, and yet there is no explanation why, and even really the build up to it started kind of randomly like the uh kind of going back to one of the first scenes that first basketball game when they're doing horrible both him and the player from the opposing team who will end up becoming kind of his enemy in the movie they're uh like kind of vying for the jump ball so like in basketball if two players grab the ball at the same time and they can't get possession they do a jump ball or whatever and the guy's telling him to get rid of the ball or give up the ball. And then for no reason, he just starts growling like a werewolf at the guy. And the guy, like, takes his hand off the ball and he runs and tries to shoot a three-pointer and completely airballs it or bricks it off the backboard or whatever. But it's so weird because, like, this this is a major point of the movie. Yet there's no explanation of why this is happening to their family And they just kind of randomly start introducing the werewolf part to it. There's no, like, lead up to it, no explanation of why all of a sudden is he showing these symptoms. It's just like he's sitting in a basketball game and and he's like, Well, this this character is really interesting, too. I think his name is Nick or Mick. Um, Mick, yeah. Mick, yeah. And it's... So... We he's a 40-year-old guy still in high school, just FYI. <laughs> well, they already talk about how he's like in his 20s. But yeah, clearly the actor was even older than that. Yeah. Um, 
you know, and the only reason he got held back was because he did like time or something like that. Yep. Like, um, and he is the love interest of Pamela Wells, who Michael J. Fox's character is infatuated with. The reason he wants to be in the school play is because she's the lead in it. So he wants to spend time with her. And so you get the impression that he goes to their school. He's older than all the other kids because of his his rap sheet, but he's still at that same school. However, he also plays on the opposing basketball team. team in both <laughs> the, the first both both the first game of the movie as well as the championship game at the end of the movie. And it's like why does he play for a different school, but also apparently goes to the same school? Because he goes to the same dance. They see him in the hallway from time to time. Like, why would they have two different teams at the same high school? And one's the Beavers, which is laughable and adorable. And the other one is the Dragons, which is like badass. Like, I don't, I don't understand. Like, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's really random. They and again, that's just one of those things. It's like they probably thought, well, we got to make them seem like the underdogs, so we'll find some animal that's not very threatening, and then we'll put them up against an animal that's super threatening. But why the biggest rival in their conference is actually at their school? It, does, it doesn't make know. any sense at all. Like I, I don't know. I don't know. Well. The game is really interesting too. So you mentioned that that he starts growling and it's like a full like wolf growl, you know? And that's minutes before he does his first full public transformation where he actually transforms during the basketball game. Well, so that, that was different, I think. Oh, was it? The, yeah, because the growl happened in the very first game of the oh, movie. Oh, you're right, you're right. The, this yep. one happens after all of this conversation. And there's literally like a dog pile on top of him right. uh, for the ball. And then all of a sudden you hear like these wolf growls and everyone kind of backs off. And all of a sudden Michael J. Fox stands up in all of his wolf glory. And that's a really, really crazy scene yes. because everyone <laughs> jumps back because all of a sudden there's just a guy that's a wolf that's wearing like this really ugly mustard yellow, you know, <laughs> 80s basketball uniform and everyone's speechless. People are just standing there. The stands are completely quiet. He's just kind of like, I don't know what to do. Oh, you know what? It's a basketball game. So I'm just going to go nuts. And he like does a full court charge and then well, slam dunk. And then all of a sudden everyone's just like, oh my God, that was amazing. And then nobody's <laughs> terrified anymore. No one's speechless anymore. Everyone's just like, oh, Scott's a wolf. Cool. <laughs> well, even before that, like as they're all speechless, no one's moving except for him. And he's just dribbling the basketball backwards for like a good 40 seconds before he finally like so you're you're literally like okay like all these people are taking in the fact that he's a wolf nobody's saying anything and he's just kind of going around completely unchecked by anybody else like it's just so weird that nobody did anything at this point and there was no shot clock issue either <laughs> yeah yeah no it's fine hold the ball as long as you want whatever <laughs> uh yeah, and, and that was one of the things I noticed, too, was, like, there's this moment of terror as they, you know, see this wolf, and then everyone completely accepts the fact that he is a werewolf within probably about a minute of seeing this unfold because he slam-dunked. 
That's all it took to impress these people was the right. slam dunk. <laughs> He's not here to eat us and steal chickens. He's here to play basketball. <laughs> <laughs> and, and and the funny thing is, uh, like, th- you could tell that was, like, the weakest dunk of all time. Like, he gets up yes. and gets there. But he, like, barely touches the rim on this slam dunk. <laughs> like, it was, it was the most uh, anticlimactic dunk in the history of dunking. So something you may have noticed during the basketball scenes with the wolf is the the wolf was actually played by Jeff Glosser for the basketball scenes yeah. because Michael J. Fox was terrible at basketball. They sent him to a training camp for two weeks and he still could not shoot a basketball <laughs> oh my to save his well, life. To be fair, so, I think you need a little more, more than two weeks to learn basketball. You know, I'm sure Michael Jordan <laughs> only played basketball for two weeks before he, he became the dominant force he was. Right, but this is like learning skills for a movie. If I took sure. two weeks and did nothing but practice free throws, I bet I could shoot a couple free throws and at least make it look believable on camera. Yeah, that's right. fair. That's fair. But so Jeff Glosser played the wolf and you might notice he's significantly taller than Michael J. Fox. So only when he's on the basketball f- court does the wolf appear bigger. And it has total Hulk syndrome with this transformation because just like with the Hulk, the purple shorts stay on. Yes. Like no matter how big he gets, the clothes remain exactly the same and the hair just kind of shoots out the side. Mm-hmm. And then when he goes back to normal, he's just like perfectly normal and the clothes shrink back around him and yeah. it's all perfectly unexplained and natural. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well, so, and speaking of unexplained, so after this game, like they, they win the game, which is like the first time they won a game in however long. And... As soon, I mean, literally, as soon as this game is over, he is the hero of the town. Like, everyone completely accepts that this guy is a wolf. Or well, he's winning games. Why, why not, you know? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's all that's important, really, let's be honest. They write him into the school play. He's an overnight celebrity. Uh, Styles creates the wolf. He sells his van and creates a van with a full-scale paint job for the Wolfmobile. He starts selling t-shirts at school. I'm going at a faster clip because I just looked at the time. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah we can't necessarily go play-by-play by play forever. So, <laughs> But... This all leads to, it's not quite a montage, but they speed it up and they go all the way through him being a celebrity and then they get all the way to the championship and by this point, he's just full of himself. He's the wolf. He can do no wrong and he's kind of taken on the persona that the people have given him and the team and some of his closest friends start to look down on him because he's just full of himself. He's arrogant. He's become what he Well, He literally stole a ball from a teammate so he could make the shot himself. Yeah. Like, yeah. like, it was pretty, pretty douchey. One of, one of the characters uh, even makes the statement, like, what's the point in being in the championship if none of us get to play or anything? Meaning, like, you know, some of them were out on the court, obviously, but none of them ever got to take shots because Scott was the only one that would shoot or dunk or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> now, real quick before we, we, like, catapult all the way to the end... I think it's worth pointing out that for whatever reason, women are attracted to werewolves. Yeah. Yes. I don't understand that at all. So, I mean, this guy, Animal yeah, he was on the basketball baby. team and stuff like that. But, like, he was kind of a nerd and this Pamela was not interested in him at all. And that's kind of one of the 
first scenes in the movie is him talking to Boof of like, man, you know, this Pamela Wells, she won't she won't say two words to me. And now all of a sudden she like undresses in front of him and we are led to believe that something um, intimate happens between the two of them. Um, And And it's like out of nowhere because he's a wolf. And that's another weird thing about it because uh, as we mentioned before, she's dating Mick and they have this meeting in her dressing room where, as Brian mentioned, we're led to believe that something happened between the two of them. And then later he asks her to the big dance and she says, oh, well, I'm going with Mick. And he goes, well, like, I didn't think you guys were together. He's like, well, he is my boyfriend. So, like, she chose to, like, spend an afternoon with the wolf, but then was still dating Mick. And it was weird. That was another one of those weird 80s things where it's like, oh, it's fine. I can have a fling with someone else because I'm still dating Mick. Yep, and she only is attracted to him when he's the wolf. She wants nothing to do with him when he's himself. Yep. Right. Yep. And this is kind of his first red flag that maybe he's the wolf too much. Mm -hmm. And And Boof tries to talk some sense into him, and and he ends up asking Boof to be his date to the homecoming. Uh, What dance is it? I don't even remember. I don't know. I don't think it was prom. So he makes her a promise that he will show up as the wolf for appearances because people want the wolf. And agree, she agrees to one dance, and then he has to be himself. Yep. Yep, yep. And that's when a fight kind of breaks out. And his dad has, like, a heart-to-heart with him about, like, you know, you got to watch out with this whole wolf thing. Because, yeah, you're going to get great abilities. You're going to get a lot of confidence. You're going to get all of this. But, you know, it can be really dangerous as well, too. And you can sometimes you know, become too much of the animal, essentially. And that kind mm-hmm. of happens here is Mick ends up saying something to Scott. He takes it, you know, to heart and he attacks him and like rips his shirt, basically clean off his body. And that's kind of when everyone's like mad at him. What is what is Styles' friend's name? He's like this little scrawny kid that never has any lines. I don't remember. It's like it's... Lyles or like Lars or something like that. Something it's... like that, yeah. And he's just like, so so sad so disappointed like he looks like that guy from anchorman that that calls ron burgundy a poop mouth you know just (laughs) (laughs) just just, it's just so sad and it's important to point out too because it kind of comes to a climax here is the principal has always kind of had it out for scott and you don't really find out until a little after the dance scene but this is when you can kind of finally see the principal knows he won. As soon as he sees the wolf attack Mick, he's like, yes, I got him. And, and he takes that as his opportunity to then try to expel Scott from school. Uh, but then the dad shows up like right as this conversation is going down and tells Scott to go home and he stays behind and talks to the principal. And then from there, he kind of explains that uh, you know, he shows back up at home and from there uh, explains that back when they were kids, he was dating the, you know, the dad was dating the mom, but the principal also was like infatuated with the mom and in love with her. And he was always kind of mad that he won. And the dad kind of alludes to the fact that he uh, kind of had a 
instant incident with the principal where he scared the principal right because he turned into the wolf kind of that, out of anger out of as anger. opposed yeah. to yeah i don't know why else would you turn into a wolf i guess yeah right, like right. something something happened and he got angry and kind of lost control and turned into the wolf and the principal got so scared he peed himself so from that day on he kind of always had it out for the right. dad and then in turn scott once he came to the school yep yep so i think in a nutshell that's basically the movie and then you get to the championship game after the dance um i think the only other notable thing that happened at the dance is there was some type of werewolf dance i can't remember the name of the song now um (laughs) but there was like a whole almost thriller like dance type thing yes big bad wolf maybe i think that might have been the name of the song yeah that sounds um something like that so very uh very 80s <laughs> yeah so so then you get down to the final basketball game and this is the part that to me made me laugh pretty hard uh, so the the game starts off with the team saying that oh scott's not coming um you know he he wouldn't play as the wolf or whatever so you know he's not coming to the game or anything and then all of a sudden he shows up as himself not as the wolf and he uh, comes up to him and again it's the beavers versus the dragons in the final they're having this talk about you know i think we can beat them he never says why they got murdered by them the last time but he's like i believe that we can win this game i totally believe it he gets them all fired up and they go out there and in probably one of my favorite moments of this movie they have this great montage where the 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 team is scoring all these points uh, supposedly and they show the dragons going down and scoring a few and you think oh man it must be really close and they show a shot they show a shot of the uh, scoreboard it is 10 to 32 they're losing <laughs> 10 to 32 even though the montage made it seem like they were scoring all of these points i'm pretty sure they actually scored more points in the montage than 10 points but they were losing 10 to 32 when they showed the screen for the first time it's like do these people not understand basketball? Do they not understand a scoring system to this game or something? Because that doesn't add up. What you just showed and what the score is up there doesn't make any sense. Right. (laughs) (laughs) So through all this, Scott finds the inner courage to do things as himself as opposed to relying on the wolf. They win the game. He gets the girl, uh, the girl being Boof. Yes. And the whole town rejoices. Before before we wrap that up with the tidy bow that you're about to, to put on it, I do have to say there was another very odd thing about this. So in basketball, you get so many fouls before you're out of the game. Uh, Scott makes a point of mentioning at one point during the game to Mick that you just got your fourth foul. You can only get five. Uh, You just got your fourth foul. One more and you're gone. So, of course, he gets fouled uh, going in to make the last shot of the game. And they're down by two. So he has to make both free throws in order to win the state championship or whatever it is. And so Mick fouls out. Yet he never gets ejected from the game. And then the refs, all the ref says is you can't be uh, like in this part of the court, which was weird because it wasn't like a technical foul or whatever. And yet 
every player was forced to go over to the sideline of the basketball court, which would never actually happen in a basketball game. No. They would be lined up around the... Around the key, the, uh, yeah. The key, yeah. yeah. And then the other odd part was the ref just let Mick stand straight in Scott's line of vision and stare him down. <laughs> Why was he allowed to stand there? There's no reason during a free throw that, that a basketball player would ever be allowed to stand right in front of the guy shooting. <laughs> what? <laughs> who who runs this basketball league? <laughs> yeah, that's really funny. <laughs> so they have the miracle on the Nebraska basketball court <laughs> that enables Nebraska them and to Oregon. Win. Apparently, it was a state to state. Nebraska thing. and Oregon. Yeah, you know the Nebraska Oregon state <laughs> <Yeah>. line. <laughs> and uh, you know, Wolf gets girl. But as as the whole stands and crowds are rejoicing, one thing that you've probably seen in a million top ten lists that I had to freeze frame and confirm it was there. <laughs> as the whole crowd jumps up to cheer them on, there is a guy wearing a red jacket with his fly wide open, and he has a white ball sticking out of his fly. <laughs> and he's jumping up and down in the background as the whole team is cheering them on. <laughs> it looks... It looks too planted to be intentional. I honestly believe this guy just had his fly open. You know what yeah, I mean? Like, like didn't notice that it was open or something. Oh, I wonder if like I wonder I, if the guy did it on purpose, but they didn't take the time to edit the film properly. So the um, producer and editor have both stated they never noticed until it was pointed out to them in the late nineties. <laughs> yeah. So like ten years later. <laughs> yeah. yeah. We uh we had a going away party for a friend. This was probably almost ten years ago now, and we took a big picture in the backyard. And uh, my wife, who her and I were just dating at the time, she was the one that was going to take the picture. And this was a hot summer day, so a lot of us were just hanging out, like in shorts or swimsuits you know most of us weren't wearing shirts and one of the guys in the group decided he was going to like drop trow and and, oh, and no. have, have it just hang out there and my wife took like four or five pictures like oh i think these will turn out really nice you know let me know if anyone blinked or anything like that and i get to the the, the first one's fine the second one's a little weird and then the, the last three are like this guy's Got his naked pants off. <laughs> I didn't even notice. And like it literally just happened. <laughs> oh man. That must have been quite the shock for her. <laughs> oh man. That's so funny. any any final thoughts on this movie, guys? I think we've done a pretty good job of literally going through every single scene um, that existed in this movie. Yeah. Um <laughs> I, I would just say uh like I enjoyed watching it again, like going back and rewatching it. This was one of those movies that used to show up on Comedy Central quite a bit, uh, like especially during the summers when I'd be home during the summer, like that always seemed to be on during the afternoon. So I enjoyed rewatching it, but it definitely did, like like we mentioned earlier, did not age quite as well as some movies from the 80s did. Some of the things we didn't cover were like some of the... Uh, verbiage and language that they used in the movie was a little uh it, you know off-putting for sure and uh, I, a lot of derogatory words yes. um a lot of like painful homosexual jokes yeah yep. there's yeah, actually a, there's actually just... a scene where scott's gonna talk to styles about the fact that he's a werewolf because nobody knows yet except for his dad apparently and he's like i got something to tell you and apparently 
it would have been way more detrimental for him to have come out of the closet at that moment than what actually ends up happening is he transforms into a wolf. And he's like, wait, you're a wolf? That's awesome. Like, <laughs> at, fir- at first, he's kind of, like, concerned. And then he's like, I can help you find uh, what what you're looking for. He was looking for, I think, a bag of pot, wasn't it? Yes. Uh, uh, yeah. And he goes, I can help you find it. And he, like, goes into a pile of stuff that Styles was looking through, pulls it out, and he's like, oh, okay, that's cool. <laughs> like, my best friend's a werewolf. That's fine. <laughs> yeah. So, a couple final thoughts I had on the movie. One, I never noticed in Back to the Future, and before I get into this point, I guess, I had always remembered Teen Wolf basically being Back to the Future with like a Halloween sort of twist, basically. Like I remembered the humor being similar, the production being similar, the soundtrack being at an appropriate level as, you know, you have Huey Lewis in the news (laughs) in Back to the Future. So it was very shocking to me how very different those movies were on almost every aspect. And one other aspect was how very, very, very Canadian... Michael J. Fox is and how very Californian he is in Back to the Future. Like the movies were filmed in the exact same year, released in the exact same year. And yet one, it's like, I can tell you're from Edmonton. (laughs) And then the other one, it's like, I would guess maybe Irvine or Anaheim or, you know, someplace in Orange County. I don't know. I thought that was really interesting. That's funny. I don't think I noticed that as much. I might have to go back and... Yeah. Compare. He was very sorry many, many times in the movie. Um, <laughs> and the other thing I wanted to point out is that I think of the two female protagonists, I got to say that Boof was definitely the cuter of the two. Um, and I think it's a shame that he doesn't realize that until basically after winning the championship game and Pamela's coming to him like, oh, of course you're coming to me. And he's like, no, nah, I'm going with Boof. But Boof, yeah, sh- Boof was super out of the cute. Way. She was super cute. Boof. So yeah, but they, you know, it's like the uh, the typical teen high school movie yeah. trope of oh, she's the nerdy girl, so she's ugly. But then he sees the true beauty in her by the end of the movie. Right. <laughs> yeah, it's that old cliche. Yep. Yep. Any thoughts, Paul? No, um, I mean, I think we pretty much covered it. The only thing I was going to say is there's a lot of movies specifically between 83 and 87 that today are still rated PG that yes. are absolutely mind-blowing to me. And when I thought back to this movie before rewatching it, I wouldn't have thought this to be one of those movies. And then rewatching it, it's like, yeah, this might not be a movie that I would show my kids the unedited version of just yet. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's important to point out, too, that PG-13 didn't exist at this point. PG-13 was actually invented for Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. Yep. Uh, so, the, yeah, so, yeah, so unless it was going to get a hard R rating, it was labeled as PG, which is wildly uh, <laughs> different from, like, PG today. PG today, you know, it's like Madagascar. Oh, you can have, like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, I like to move like it, you... move it. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Jaws was PG. Yeah. Oh yeah. gosh, isn't that yeah. crazy? Yeah. It, um, it's... All the was it all the president's men? Uh, the the one about uh, Watergate, Nixon? Woodward, yeah, Watergate, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. 
And they dropped the F bomb eleven yeah, yeah, they dropped the F bomb eleven times in a PG movie. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Parental guidance suggested. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's it's amazing to see how different that rating system is now compared to back then. Because even like the first Indiana Jones movie, what like it wasn't necessarily vulgar or anything but it had some pretty intense scenes in it a dude got chomped up by a plane propeller (laughs) yes yes yes. Uh, a dude got straight up murdered by a spike going through his head yep Uh, Yep. another guy got like a hundred blow darts to the back yep there were like snakes slithering through dead people's skulls and stuff all fine pg Good to go. Melting Nazis. Melting Nazis. How could we forget the Nazis? <laughs> also, a guy eating a, a fly, which <laughs> is totally like an accident or something. But if you watch really closely in that scene where Indiana Jones has the rocket launcher near the end of the movie, like right before they go and open up the uh, Ark of the Covenant, the bad guy is talking and you can see a fly crawl into his mouth and it never comes back. Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> yeah. I noticed now it. Now that's an actor. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah, I noticed it uh, when they brought it back to uh, Cinemark or Celebration or whatever it was for their like cult movie classic. So I went and saw it on an actual movie screen, and it was like so big that it was not like unnoticeable. You, yeah, yeah, you couldn't miss it. Yeah. <laughs> like everyone in the theater kind of collectively went. Oh, he just ate that fly! <laughs> What's wrong with that guy? <laughs> <laughs> What'd that fly ever do to him? <laughs> oh, oh, man. Well, I'm sure that all the Indiana Jones movies are likely in the hopper of imagination, so uh, yes. we can certainly talk about those on another uh, occasion. Any any yes. final thoughts on Teen Wolf, guys? I think we have done this to death, but I want to make sure yeah. I give you the opportunity <laughs> Nah, I think good. you could have watched Teen Wolf in the length of this episode. Or Dumbo twice. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, <no> kidding. <laughs> All right. Well, I guess that wraps up our discussion on the Michael J. Fox vehicle Teen Wolf. Now we're going to move on to Nostalgia Combat. Nostalgia I have devised a trivia question for my co-host to answer. Whoever is closest will get to lead their chat next week. Adam has Dick Tracy, and Brian has Mighty Max, the animated series. Brian's you guys down. ready? Oh, shoot. We're, on, we're fighting. Absolutely. It's to the death. So, this movie, combined with uh, Back to the Future, created a Michael J. Fox mania that led to all things related to it being like knockoffs kind of like the mockubusters of today where like you got snakes on a plane so we got to have a direct video snakes on a train right yeah so because of the success of both of these two movies back to back 
there was all sorts of Teen Wolf stuff rushed back into production. Uh, Teen Wolf 2, starring Jason Bateman, came along, as well as an animated TV series for Teen Wolf that was based on the Bateman character. Well, it was based on the Bateman storyline, but looked more Michael J. Fox. Yeah. So you had those two, and then you had... Full Moon High, which came out in 1981, was actually re-released in a wide release in an attempt to capitalize on the popularity. (laughs) All of these events transpired in what year? I'm going to go with 1987. Okay. I was thinking 86. Well, Brian nailed it right on the head. Yeah. It was 1987. Nice job, Woo! Brian. Eat those words so, for breakfast. <laughs> <laughs> you eat you eat those words for breakfast? <laughs> no. Uh, no. <laughs> Make like a tree and get out of here. <laughs> well, there you have it. Brian will be guiding us through the topic of Mighty Max, the animated series next time. Me, the loser, still has Dick Tracy. And now we are going to visit the Hopper of Imagination to get Paul his new topic. I'm in. Let's do this. <laughs> we want to remind all of our listeners that if there is a topic you'd like to hear us discuss, you can submit those at our website, www.datingourselvespodcast.com. That's right. <laughs> Well, folks, uh, here we are at the Hopper of Imagination. As always, I've selected three topics that are all from three different categories. I'm going to share those categories with our friend here, Mr. Paul. Uh, He's going to let me know which category sounds the most interesting for a future topic for him to discuss, and then I will let him know what that topic is. How's that sound, Paul? Let's do it. Let's do it. All right. So we have board game. All right. Music. Or okay. book series. Ooh. I feel like we've done a few book series, because we had Harry Potter, and we had Animorphs. Yep, Adam and his Animorphs. As well, yeah, and Garfield go- and Friends. We did that, too. <laughs> we're going we out done, on tour. <laughs> have we done music since Smash Mouth? Uh, Foo Fighters was the last one I think we did. Oh, yeah, Foo Fighters. That's- and that wasn't that terribly long ago. Foo Fighters. Uh, so that's going to lead me to board game. I'm going to go with board game. It's been a long time since we've done a board game. I think the last one we did was probably Simon, if I had to guess. I think um, you're right. So we are actually going to be talking about Mystery Date, Paul. Oh! oh. <laughs> Can nice. we turn that into a drinking game like we did with Simon? <laughs> yes, I think so. I think we absolutely I, should. I think you could come up with the rules on that one, Paul. <laughs> So rather than talk about the board game, should we just play it and get intoxicated on air? <laughs> well, we'll have to give people at least a, really? a high level, a 10,000 foot view of what the game entails. But <laughs> Fair sh- enough. Yeah, we'll, we'll figure out a fun way to talk about it. So, um, And if that includes <laughs> playing it while having a couple beers, I, more power to us, right? So not too many, though, because I'm old and 
achy. <laughs> yeah, I'm two and done at this point in my yeah, life. Yeah, yeah. Well, make sure to come and check us out in two weeks, guys, where I'm going to be talking about Mighty Max, the animated series. And then in future episodes, uh, Paul will be discussing Mystery Date, and Adam will be discussing... Oh, I know this. Dick Tracy. Okay. So uh, thanks again, guys, for joining us. In his pocket. (laughs) Thanks again for joining us on Dating Ourselves. And if you like what you've heard, there's more to come. You can check us out at www.datingourselvespodcast.com to learn more about us and the show. And you can check out our Contact Us tab if you'd like to submit your own nostalgic topics. You can also send us your submissions at datingourselvespodcast at aol.com. We've We've got got mail. mail. In addition to iTunes, you can also find us on TuneIn Radio, Google Music, and wherever podcasts are downloaded. Please be sure to like and subscribe so you don't miss any of the throwback action. We post additional content on Facebook at facebook.com slash datingourselvespodcast. If you're on Instagram, you can find us there at datingourselvespodcast. And we do the Twitter thing too, at datedpodcast. And remember, if you're too old for Snapchat and too young for Life Alert, you've just been dated. See you later, guys. Bye.